Market Lane Coffee respectfully acknowledges the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we live and work. We pay respect to their elders and to the history, legacy and contemporary cultures of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee, a podcast for a growing community of like-minded businesses who want to serve delicious, ethical and sustainable coffees. My name is Tyson. In late 2022, in between opening our new Queen Street and Sydney Road shops, Market Lane co-owner Jason recorded a series of three podcast conversations to share some of his experiences and tips on things to consider when opening your own coffee shop. In part three, this the final episode of the series, Jason sits down with Einar, our retail training manager, to talk about menus, merchandise and marketing. They also talk about building a regular customer base, as well as important things to consider when hiring team members for your new business. Without further ado, here are Jason and Einar. Before our regular program, we have a question from the floor. Someone is asking, hello, Jason, do you have any tips or advice for someone who is thinking of opening up a shop with a friend as a business partner? Mm, it's a good question because it seems like a great idea. And I think in a lot of times, if, you're, if you've got shared uh, aspirations and shared quality levels and values and things, it can be a, a really good idea. But there are obviously pitfalls, you know, and, and people don't tend to take the time to lay out all of the th- scenarios that could lead to the business failing or could lead to the partnership breaking up before it happens. And that's really important. So Um, I would say set really clear expectations on what both of you do for the cafe or the business. So if one of you is a graphic designer and maybe that person has no expectation of working in the bar and maybe you do, but I would outlay those things really clearly from the start. It's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about when things go wrong, but it's much better to talk about it at the start and before things go wrong rather than at the end when you're in debt and losing money and everyone's quite emotional. So take the time to um, even fashion up a a rough shareholders agreement or something. You know, it doesn't have to be legally binding. As long as you're both on the same page, I think that's probably going to be enough if it's a small, small operation. If there's larger sums of money involved, I'd obviously consider getting a lawyer and using an account to set up a company properly to make sure that the shareholders are established in in law properly. All right, so our new imaginary coffee shop is uh, open, but we need a menu. How do you work out what to put on the menu? I think you want to work out what sort of shop you want to be and how large a menu you want to have. Obviously at Market Lane, we think that the smaller the menu, the easier it is to control the quality and to maintain standards across all the menu items. So rather than having a very large, extensive coffee menu with all kinds of different pre-made or like bulk brewed coffees, we, we tend to have a really small uh, concise menu. Um, I would play to your strengths as well. So if you are a chef or if you... Um, are going to partnership with someone who's a chef, obviously you could have a pretty decent food menu. What else about a menu, Anna? Um, I don't know. I was thinking maybe you want something that is uh, new, unusual, something often people ask about is what's your signature. So mm. like having a signature item on the menu could be helpful. 
Yeah, I think it probably ties back into your, um, we're going to talk about marketing in a minute, but talk about your identity. So your what you want your coffee shop to represent or what you want your coffee shop to be. And if it's about you and brewing filter coffee, then maybe that would be the, you know, the star of the show or the the hero of the show is a lot of filter coffees on the menu. Or if you really love making espresso coffee, maybe it would be that you have a menu with four or five different espresso coffees and you know you really focus on that rather than other things. But yeah, play to your strengths and uh, try and be try and offer something unique. One thing that usually tends to go well with coffee is pastry or cakes. Yeah, pastries are a great idea. They go really well with coffee and obviously um, they help your average sale, but they can be difficult. You know, it can be hard to source a great, reliable supply of pastries. Uh, they can be expensive and especially if they're good and you want them to arrive at seven o'clock, it's going to mean some limitations on your supplier. So yeah, have a careful think about uh, how broad of a range you need in terms of brought in food. And again, if you're passionate about baking or cooking, it could be something that you do on site, um, even if it is just a limited number of things that you do really well. Uh, One question we often get in the shops is, uh, do we have different sizes of the takeaway cups? Could you tell us a little bit about that decision? Well, for us, initially, we made that decision because we wanted to keep the ratio of coffee to milk consistent and we didn't want to have it change depending on the size of drink that you buy. So we decided to keep it at a a roughly eight ounce size. It is possible, obviously, to do a large size and keep the ratio the same. If you uh, flick back to page 111 of my book, um, you'll see there's like a table which shows that you can do, you know, a small and a large, say a five ounce and a 10 ounce or a six ounce and a 12 ounce. That uses one shot for a small and two shots for a large. And in that way, you can keep the ratio the same. You can use the same portafilter, the same basket. You're doubling the size. So yeah, it's possible to do. Uh, We chose not to do it early on and we probably won't um, offer it in the future. And that's the brown book you're talking about. It's coffee, how to buy it, how to brew it. Um, It goes through lots of... um, yeah, lots of topics about green coffee, roasting, pricing, uh, and also pricing for cafe menus. Our next topic is merchandise, and you already um, broken this down to two different categories. Could you explain how you think about merchandise? Yeah, if I was starting over again, I would think about merchandise in yeah two two categories. You would have um, you know things like souvenirs, so stuff that people would take as uh, you know memorabilia from your shop, and these could th- include things like uh, hats or pins or um, novelty cups or tote bags, uh, things like that. That you know they're they're more to remember the brand or to associate yourself with a brand than to actually buy a good cup or whatever it is. Um, and then the other category I would say is like brewing equipment. So how to help people brew coffee at home. And I think this is really important because it can help people to buy coffee from you and then they'll keep coming back. And I I personally think that retailing coffee beans in the cafe is a really, really great thing to, to retail, especially if you're brewing the coffee that you're able to sell on the shelves. You can pick a bag off and brew it. You can um, almost immediately make a pretty big sale in terms of revenue with a decent margin as well and uh, you know create return customers. It's, it's quite a sticky thing to, to sell. Obviously working at Monmouth, um, they sold just a huge amount of whole coffee beans through their shops and I always think about the volume of that, the volume of customers that would happily come in, buy coffee and leave. 
for the Covent Garden store, it was about 60, 70% of people would come in and buy whole bean coffee and only, you know, 30 to 40% of people would buy a drink of coffee, like a brewed cup. So I think there's huge potential and yeah, great upside. So our shop is open. We got the menu. Retail shelves are full. We need to let people know about our business. Uh, how do we go about marketing our shop? I thought it'd be better to get Fleur in to answer this question instead of me. Um, yeah, Fleur's a co-founder and co-owner of Market Lane Coffee and yeah, sort of drives the marketing program at Market Lane from the start. Thanks for having me. I think one of the things that has made our decision-making at Market Lane really easy has been having very clear values from the get-go and having a really clear vision of what we wanted to achieve. From the get-go, we cared a lot about quality and presenting a, a high-quality product. We cared deeply about sharing the story of where the coffees came from and sharing as much information and traceability about the coffees that we were sourcing. We also cared about creating a brand that cared for the environment as much as possible and our decision-making in terms of the way that we package our coffee or what we do with our waste has been informed by that value. And we also care deeply about community and having meaningful connections to the communities, both at origin and in the neighbourhoods in where our shops are based. So those values have really informed all of our decision making and also communications strategy as well. So we try to, in our spaces and also online, um, reinforce those values and help our customers understand what our brand stands for and what's important to us. Great. So do you have any advice for someone who's thinking about starting a, a brand new little coffee shop? Yeah, I think it's really helpful to think about what you want your cafe or your business or your brand to stand for. Think about the things that are really important to you that you don't want to compromise. Think about um, the culture that you want to create within the space and how you want your customers to feel when they're in there and what you want them to take away from their experience with your business and with your brand. Hopefully the customers come because they're curious about our shop and like what we do, but we want to build up our client base. How do we make them come back? I think consistency is really important. Probably more important than the product is providing really friendly service, making customers feel seen when they walk into the space. If there's a service failure, uh, making sure that it's recognised and rectified and just making sure that the spaces feel really welcome, welcoming and, and friendly and clean and a space that, that you want to sit in and have coffee in. I think especially in the early days when you're building up your clientele, there's a really lovely opportunity to create really meaningful connections with your customer base. And, and in some of the shops that we've opened that have been quieter when they've opened, we're always really excited about the opportunity that that presents to build a real sense of community with, with customers and build really deep connections. And I think probably our 
now more successful shops are those shops where they have been quieter and the, the team have had time to really build those relationships over time. And some of those relationships now span um, over a decade. And that's something that we really celebrate and cherish as a business. Thank you, Fleur. That was really helpful. Uh, any last uh, words before you have to run off to your next meeting? No, thank you for having me. Um, good luck to any uh, people that are opening up coffee shops and we're here to help. So if you ever want to Drop us an email or pick up the phone. Always happy to help. Thank you, Fleur. Jason, you're still in the studio. Uh, Fleur mentioned service recovery briefly, but I thought we can talk a little bit more about that. What to do when something doesn't go quite to plan, or at least the customer feels like mm. it doesn't go to plan. It's a great opportunity to show someone that you care about their experience. And it can also be, um, unfortunately, it can be a time when you show customers how little you care about their experience as well. So it's a time when you can really um, impress them or you know disappoint them further. So for a coffee shop, the most common thing is you've made them the wrong coffee or you've, they've asked for an almond croissant and you've given them a plain one or something something reasonably simple that you can fix really quickly. And the first thing is to understand what the issue is. So you'll have to talk to the customer and ask them, is this not what you wanted? Or did you order something else? Or try not to blame them for ordering the wrong thing. Or maybe they did just ask for one thing and they changed their mind. It doesn't really matter. Um, so understanding what they want is really important. And then um, the part of service recovery is basically just giving them what they were promised in the first place. And sometimes the feedback comes a little bit later, like in the form of a Google review or maybe a message on social media. How do you deal with that? Well, it's much harder to deal with that. So the first thing I would say is uh, try and make giving feedback really accessible for customers. So for example, asking them if everything is to their satisfaction. And that can be as simple as, you know, when say the fourth coffee for a table of four has arrived, the person putting the coffee down says, um, is this everything you've ordered? You know, that will go a long way to them saying, oh no, there should be a pastry on the way or something like that. So that's a really good um, starting point. Also checking when they're finished, how was everything today? Did you enjoy your coffees? Try not to ask them if the coffees were any good because you shouldn't have served them if they weren't any good. Yeah, trying to elicit um, feedback at those points will also um, help pick up any potential negative feelings that might be bubbling under that you don't know about. Yeah, because once it does get to the point where it's on Google or they've put something on social media about how terrible the coffee is, it's much harder to give them that the thing that they were promised in the start, which is actually just a good tasting coffee. Um, say it does get to that point, you, you can sort of recover the service a little bit. I would just say, make sure you're honest, um, make sure you're really clear and respectful because it's obviously in public and everyone who, you know, looks up your cafe is going to see that you responded saying, hopefully not, but something trivial like, well, if you don't like it, maybe, you know, blah, blah, blah. You should, you can just say, I'm sorry, uh, we were having an off day because we were short staffed or whatever. And maybe they'll give you a second chance. Maybe they'll delete the review. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But um, it is it is possible. And, and we have recovered some uh, some negative feedback on, on Google in the past because there have been genuine misunderstandings. Yeah. Okay, the last thing we're going to talk about is hiring. Hopefully our shop is now very busy. It's too busy for just one or two people, me and you to run it by ourselves, uh, we need to hire some help. How do you go about hiring for a new shop? 
it's hard, uh, especially if you don't have a reputation or anything to fall back on. It's it's quite difficult finding fresh staff to work in your shop. The temptation, of course, is to try and find an experienced barista and 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 have them, you know, be ready to help on day one. But it's a bit of a trap doing that because you'll end up losing them eventually or they'll go end up working somewhere else or something might go wrong and then you're back to square one with that. So we've always taken the approach of um, doing a lot of training ourselves on the job training and also before you know people actually start making drinks, making sure they're well-versed in all the aspects of the, the shop. The first job we put out was in a print newspaper. That gives you an indication of how times have changed. So, and, and nowadays you can obviously you know, use more efficient forms of advertising like social media or I guess the internet more broadly. But it is difficult. I would just, yeah, give the advice, try and hire good people rather than people who necessarily have all the skills. Speaking of good people, it might be tempting to hiring your friends. Mm-hmm. I've done it before. Um, I think it's okay as long as it's really clear what the expectations and the boundaries are. And as long as you're both professional enough or mature enough about it, then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a, a personal story about hiring at Market Lane. I saw an ad on Facebook, I think, uh, and I emailed my resume and cover letter, but it was completely ignored. So I sent exactly the same uh, application again when I saw the ad on Facebook again six months later, and um, I got an interview with Jenny. Personally, I'm sorry about that, but there, I think it, I think it highlights a good point: is that it's not always about luck, and it's not always about. Um, having exactly the right application for the right job. It's also about timing. And so if you're looking at, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a job or if you're looking to hire people, just consider the timing that people obviously, when they're new and happy in a job, they're not going to be looking for one. So yeah, just consider the timing might also be a thing. We hope you enjoyed these podcasts and found them insightful. This was the last in our three-part series on how to open a coffee shop. Are you looking towards opening your own business? Do you still have some questions? If so, we would love to hear from you. Please don't hesitate to get in touch with Christian or myself. You can find our contact information in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to catching up with you over a coffee soon.